Hey, lover. Hey, lover. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. This is Scott Mickish and Nick Gill, where we talk about everything in life from pets to pimples and really hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, you are not our real moms. Welcome back, lovers. Today, we are going to talk about good old uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Parents' Days. How they might actually be more problematic for people than (laughs) they seem like they should be. I don't know. I mean, I think our relationship and perspective changes on our parents with parenting and how we were parented. You know, I was really close with my mom growing up. I think a lot of gay boys can kind of relate to that. They're like, I was very close with my mother and I felt very comfortable with her, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so then we have to differentiate biological mothers from adoptive mothers, from Mm. foster mothers, from chosen mothers or, or people who end up in the mothering role. Because I know hormonally there are neurochemicals or hormones that bond the mother the one giving birth with the baby because the the mother who is the milk producer is the source their source of food so i mean (laughs) no but it's i mean it's in like just scientific basic biology basic anatomy basic sexual reproduction animal reproduction you know, so I think for for most kids, there's a strong bond with the mother or, you know, the, the birth-giving person. With that whole biological, physiological experience, but that doesn't necessarily last, mm. nor is it necessarily the same across everybody. And so there is the whole cliche of mama's boy, you know, and daddy's little girl so for some reason whatever the phenomenon is where you know boys tend to have that sort of bond with their mothers but but that's kind of cliche and it's not in every case and so i don't know so when you're you're talking about gay boys feeling more bonded to their mothers it might be because again this is a huge generalization but if there are tendencies and behaviors that are less typical for boys or heterosexual males that may bond them with the father more to start that maybe gay boys feel with their mother if the mother sees that in their child like oh this this child isn't quite like the others and so there's almost like this protectiveness mm-hmm. that maybe comes over them and maybe they don't even know why mm-hmm. but if you see your child struggling in some way again and i don't know how much is society versus nurture versus nature you know if the if a father might be like, hey, you need to just... Buck up. Yeah, kind of like face those fears and confront those challenges and just build a thick skin and, and maybe... And that could just be societal pressure to do that. And so, yeah, you know, not to get you off track of what you're saying, but just, <laughs> just, just to kind of throw that out there that there's a lot of generalizations and a lot of expectations, which we'll go into more but just with your experience and your mom and your parents. So that's related to kind of you had that sense that maybe you had a stronger relationship with your mom because you were gay and you kind of felt that bond was a little stronger when you were little. 
Yeah, I don't think my dad ever was like, oh, buck up and stop being this way. Because I feel like my dad is very in touch with his feelings and um, is a very sensitive person. I mean, he's a very uh, pragmatic person who, you know, I remember just being the person who was very consistent with yeah. his uh, way of being and very knowledgeable on those those street smarts things, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, you need to be careful of this. You need to do this. Mm -hmm. I feel like he was very intuitive. Street smarts, I feel like you're kind of talking about emotional intelligence. Yeah. Like you're navigating oh, situations. For sure. In a very intuitive way. Like yeah. That's... So he's very emotionally intelligent, for mm -hmm. sure. And I appreciate that about him in my later life, for sure. But I've observed, you know, my friends talking about parents, um, their relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to learn from that and grow from it as well. Because it goes in stages, you know, you believe your parents like know, have all the answers to life and you believe that they should know what you should do or guide you or give you everything you need for life and for navigating it. And so when you leave that circle of being with your parents, you know, and you get out into the real world, you start to realize you're like, oh, wait, I don't <laughs> I don't think I have all the tools that I need to figure this out on my own. Mm -hmm. So and nor did your parents, <laughs> <laughs> right? I know like exactly. your perception changes, and you know because you come into this world an empty bucket. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. you're you're learning as you go, and your first teachers are your parents. Yeah, whoever those quote unquote parents or guardians or just those protectors might be, you're learning from them, mm -hmm. like from the get go, and your perception is they're your world. They're the ones feeding you. They're the ones protecting you. They're the ones who know more than you. They're it. Yeah. Like, they're your world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you get out into the real world, you start to see maybe things you're not prepared for. And then there's, over time, you can develop this resentment towards your parents for maybe the things that they didn't prepare you for. Mm -hmm. And I've always said to you, I don't think I want to have kids because I feel like they just hate you, hate you, hate you. And then, you know, by the time they actually do really appreciate you, you're already dead. <laughs> but no, no, no. But again, like how, but again, how much of that, I just go back, I just find it fascinating, like the nature versus nurture thing. Because if you think about it, what people are really struggling with now is, you know, it's either empty nest syndrome, like if you've raised a child and your identity is all about being a parent and then you grieve the loss of your child not needing you anymore, like in, in that same way, like that's a reality shift that can cause grief and a lot of emotional distress. But then also, on the other hand, if you're, if you kind of have a codependent relationship or if your child still needs you into their adulthood and you're like, how, what did I do wrong? How do I get this? You know, it's trying to get them to leave the nest, yeah. you know, failure to launch, yeah. you know, or whatever they call it. <laughs> so I wonder if there is, again, neurologically, physiologically, go going through all those hormonal shifts and changes and that desire to be independent from your parents or whoever is, again, 
setting boundaries that you kind of want to rebel against in some way. And I, in some, and, and people do it in different ways. So it's not always rebel without a cause. I mean, it could just be even questioning, just, just challenging and questioning and saying, Hey, I don't think I like, I have an independent mind. I don't think I agree with you anymore. Even that. But I think those are all essential to kind of breaking that emotional bond that is kind of painful. So it's almost make, it almost makes it less painful when <laughs> you're kind of like, I'm, I've had enough of you, you know, and it goes both ways. The, the parents have had enough of their kids. The kids have had enough of their parents. And then it makes the development into adulthood, into independence, into living and sustaining your own livelihood more of a celebration rather than like a forced punishment, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's like you feel good about it. And, and maybe that and that's definitely like an American thing, too. So I do wonder in cultures where families stay together and they live together and their generations all living together like how that dynamic is different so yeah it's just interesting because you gained your independence i think from a lot of that stress like i think that motivated you to say oh i want to break free i want to get out i want to be on my own and again that's kind of maybe an americanized version of growing up but it motivated you, you mm -hmm. know, to have that kind of stress. I think there's a, you know, there's, there's that rebellion mm -hmm. that kind of comes out in everybody, you know, whether it's in your teenage years or in your early 20s, wherever it ends up kind of coming out for that particular person. Mine kind of came into my mid 20s maybe later than that and you know it's interesting that whole phenomenon if if you have like more conservative parents you know sometimes that can produce more of a free-spirited type of child because they're they're wanting like the opposite of what they're used to or if they have or if they have parents who are like more free-spirited and don't have a lot of structure then they want the opposite and so I find that really interesting where it kind of, you know, there's like this pendulum. Well, you always swing. want what you don't have, right? And yeah. Then you, and then you challenge. Again, you go through that phase mm -hmm. of, you know, being ungrateful for, yeah. what, for what you have. And all you see is what you don't have. So you're going through a very stressful period. You have all these hormonal changes and you're very stressed out. And your body is basically telling you, you need something else. You need something else. You need something else. You need something. And so you look around going, well, what do I have? I want the opposite, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to get out of here. Yeah. You know, so that could, again, it's kind of a generalization and cliche to, to say that's always the case, mm -hmm. but because we do mirror our parents a lot. The other thing that happens a lot too, is you grow up saying, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to be like that with my kids. And then they're the exact same way with their kids. <laughs> so I think there's that phase of when the stress that you're going through motivates you to do something different. Mm -hmm then, you know, you, that kind of lends itself to that cliche of like, wow, you took a different path than your parents. But then when the stress, maybe when you're the parent and you're dealing, what you know is what your parents taught you. Mm -hmm. And you now all of a sudden you're seeing the other side of the coin. And so y your nature kind of goes back to, you go to what you know. Yeah. And so I think that's funny too, when you hear people say, I'm never going to do that. Never, and then you hear them later on going, oh my God, I'm just like my parents.
Well, so. or, or or they do the opposite, and then their kids turn out in a totally different way that yeah. they expect that they're going to turn because then they turned out. That's the they other side. They're like, oh, well, because I turned out this way, you know, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm never going to do that with my but kids. But then they yeah. turn out, their kids turn out, like, totally different than they are. Yeah. And it's just interesting. Like, I mean, as you get older and you just experience more things, you understand your parents had an upbringing, too, that you're not fully aware of, but like it's it can really contribute to a lot of things. And you realize like you connect those things. You're like, oh, they went through this. They experienced these hardships and then they raised yeah. you in a certain way. And, and then that cycle just kind of like continues. Yeah. Well, and the whole nature versus nurture thing again, too. Mm -hmm. So the notion that somehow you are or your parents were because of how they were raised, that's just nurture, 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 nurture. Mm -hmm. So then you think, well, I'm how I am, or I had my struggles because of how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And so then you think, I'm gonna do the complete opposite. But it's with the intention of somehow you have control of forming and molding this being into who you think they should be. So it's it's, kind of it's kind of the same mindset that somehow you have control over the outcome of who this person's going to be and there's so much nature in there mm -hmm. that they're kind of going to be who they're going to be right that you know i mean you have a you have some control over it. obviously you don't you want to create a healthful environment that allows them to develop in the healthiest way possible absolutely but they're still a natural organic being that's going to turn out in the way that they need to realize themselves to their full extent of who they are. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have control over their genetics and they're only so much as what you have in you that you've, you know, as the biological parent that you've contributed to them, or even in an adoptive sense, like you have some influence in nurturing and in their development, but their genetics are their genetics. Like you, they're, they're going to be who they're going to be. I mean, I think, there's this notion that parents can somehow shape and mold their children. Mm. And really a parent's responsibility, even when it comes to teachers or just environments, is you create, you just create the healthiest environment possible and mm. then let them grow into the organic being that they're supposed to be. Like there's this notion that somehow you can control that. Like somehow if I show them this or if I teach them that or if I tell them this and I tell them that, then they'll become this way or that way. Like you can influence them to a certain point, but at a certain point, their brain's going to start working on its own and start <laughs> questioning things. You know, and if you've been lying to them and trying to manipulate them, they're going to figure that out. Yeah. Like, and now you've just destroyed the trust. Like you've just, so this whole notion that somehow you should, oh, if we just teach them this and we just tell them that, then they'll then they'll be this way. It's like, yeah, like the information age is here. Like you're going to get the information one way or another. It's in your best interest to be honest yeah. and to know that your, your kids are going to be exposed to the information at one point. Right. You can't control that. Yeah. So you you want them to have a healthy brain that's able to think critically and to process the information and interpret it you know you can't control that yeah. like the only thing you can do is create a healthful environment to create a healthful organism yeah and i think there's way too much praise and expectation put on par so expectation on one hand and then praise on the other like 
putting parents on this pedestal like they're godlike beings and it's like they're just as imperfect as everybody else that's a that that's a very important thing to touch on though because i feel like you know as i've grown and matured as a person i realize that they're just a human being like everybody else and i think too something that's important for everybody to kind of realize is that your parents we're just trying to do the best that they can with mm -hmm. what they had, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, I kind of grew up in like a more of a low income uh, type of household. Well, I, with I, more stress and fear, you know, that in, in a, in a financially unstable, like, cause my upbringing was very much like that too, where money was a huge stress. And so with that stress and those fears that contributes to the environment that you grow up in. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like as I approach the age that I remember my parents most being at, you know, because I feel like whenever I think about my parents, I always think about them being like 40 ish. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. I think it has to do because it's like that was a very important time of like formation of like who I am as a person mm -hmm. as I just remember them being like in their mm -hmm. 40s. And now I mean, I'm 32 now. But, you know, I'm getting close to that age of the age that they were when I remember them most being at. And then when you think about them being at that age and then what you know now yourself, you realize, oh, wow, this is what I know at this age. And then this is similar to what they knew at that age, too. And so you start to understand maybe what they were going through as a parent and maybe as an adult and how that can translate into like parenting and whatever. And so, mm -hmm. uh, or like what you had gone through as a child and you start to just see things in a different perspective and maybe have appreciation for certain things that you didn't appreciate before and maybe just have a perspective on things that you were resentful on uh, for a lot of your life or whatever. And again, I'm taking this from not just my own experience, but just like friends to like talking about their parents and their upbringing and things like that. So it's interesting just just growing older and uh, just trying to be aware of your feelings, aware of yourself, aware of growth. And just try to learn from it mm -hmm. and grow from it and embrace it. Mm -hmm. I think I think where people go a little off track is there's a tendency to have knowledge and wisdom with age. And then this notion that you think somehow I can bestow this knowledge and wisdom on younger people. Like somehow, oh my gosh, if I had only known this when I was a teenager, life would have been better. Yeah. But the thing is, is when you don't know that how brains develop and that, again, <laughs> you're sick of me saying this, but that your prefrontal cortex, that mature part of your brain isn't fully developed until 25. Like that's the cycle of parenting. If you just know this and do this because you're going to learn the hard way and I, I told you so and blah, 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 blah. And it's only because they have the knowledge from going through all of that. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. And so like stopping and realizing, okay, when I was that age, uh, what was important to me and how immature you were, yeah. you know, and you can't, you're, you are immature. Like that's just 
how you are. Like、mm-hmm. you shouldn't be shaming people for being immature because they're immature, they're not matured. Well, <laughs> like they still have they have twenty five years to f- be fully matured. So yes, anyone under that age is going to be immature. That's the definition of the word. So it's like setting these expectations that just create stress rather than rather than thinking, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. I told you so. I'm not going to bestow this wisdom that they can't comprehend. But maybe they're like these little nuggets of of saying, oh, I remember when I, I was when I was your age, and none of this made sense to me. Like more empathy and more trying to let them know, like. Younger kids know that you were their age at one point. Yeah. If we stop and think about it, you can think like, "How did I feel when I was eight years old?" And go, "Oh yeah, God." Well, yeah.、This、sometimes, sometimes we forget though too, even as an adult, what it's like to be younger though too. Yeah. And so, and then vice versa. Like the other, obviously, the younger people don't know what it's like to be older. And so, because we've overanalyzed our childhood, and now we're these, <laughs> now in our brains we're these highly mature, evolved humans in this six-year-old's brain. I'm like, no, no, when you were six years old, you were six years old. You weren't a forty-year-old thinking、yeah. about being a six-year-old. I mean, there's okay. What I find myself doing more nowadays is like, I'll if I see some a younger person do something that's kind of like frustrating to me, or I'm like, ugh. Whatever, yeah, that's irritating. Chances are, I've done that myself at that age, or I was like, someday we're all gonna get to that point where we're like, get off of my lawn. What are you doing? <laughs> But it's for their own safety. I've been、exactly. like that as a homeowner,、yeah. where the kid was like climbing in the tree, and、yeah. I knew the tree was old and dying, <laughs> and I'd be like, get out of my tree. But I wasn't. <laughs> But we... And then I said it, and I, and I was like, oh my gosh. I'm that person. Yeah, but it was because I was afraid. I, you know, not only was I afraid for the kid hurting themselves, but I was also afraid of being sued. So there's <laughs> that. So there's that whole like you start to realize that like oh they didn't want me to get hurt on their property because、yeah. that would be a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. So it's like it's a very complex thing. It's not just this crotchety、yeah. old person who doesn't want you playing on their lawn, but it's like no, I don't want you getting hurt on my property. Because that is a liability. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot wrapped up in that, of yeah, course. Yeah, but yeah. I think, or they're、oh, ruining your plants, or they're destroying your garden, or whatever. You, know? <laughs> you just realize that they're gonna someday understand that, probably. You know, and so I too feel like that's too little, too late. Yeah, but it gives you, <laughs> it gives me comfort knowing that someday they'll, they'll be as miserable they'll, as you. They'll be, they'll feel bad about it, <laughs> and that's all that matters. Because there's been times where I, I've been admonished by people、yeah. in my younger days, where I'm like, "Uh, that old person, how dare they say that to me?" But、yeah. then when I was, they think they know. Now、well. I'm like, "Oh my god, I get it." Ugh. Yeah, I wish I could go back in time and be like, "I'm so sorry." I know. I get it. Well, that's why I feel like, again, the best way to sink into somebody, you know, to really connect with them is to reduce that stress response in some way. Yeah. So, if it is, you know, even when I was scolding that kid for climbing in my tree, like I really wanted them to know. I'm worried about your safety. Like、yeah. this isn't about spoiling your fun. Like I know you want to have fun. Like it's fun to climb in trees, but that branch has a huge crack in it, and it's probably going to fall down the moment you put a、yeah. foot on it. Right. You know, it's hard to get that across. That you know, you're doing it for the well-being. You're not just being the crotchety rule maker. Like you're doing it for their well-being. And I think a lot of people 
see rules and boundaries and these things that are put in place to protect and provide safety and security when they get in the way of doing what you want to do. Like, I want to climb in that tree. Well, you can't because you're going to get <laughs> you're going to get hurt. <laughs> and then you're the bad person for setting these rules. You yeah. Know? Um, and of course, then if they climb the tree and then like, see, I didn't get hurt. It's like, well, that's because you're lucky. <laughs> you know, it's like do that a hundred times. You only, guess what? You only need to die once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can do something a hundred times and guess what? On the hundredth time you're dead. So was it worth it? I don't know. Cause you can't do it anymore. And then when there are ghosts, they're like, oh, I get it. Now. <laughs> oh, I get it. Whoops. Now. Whoops. No, JK. Funny story about that. My little brother was climbing a tree and then fell mm. from the tree. I don't know, probably about 12 to 15 feet. And then he had what looked like to me two elbows. Bless his heart. Not he a... healed from it eventually. Oh, yeah. But listen to your parents. Don't, yeah. don't climb too high in that tree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fortunately, I mean, I, I lived vicariously through my brother and sister and them mm. getting injuries. I knock on wood, like I never had any severe breakages. Are you the middle? Yeah. Are, are you the middle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think the middle, because I'm a middle child too. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, you know, there's always these perceptions of like, oh, you're the middle child. So you have this, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's something to that where being the middle child, you can kind of observe two different sides of things, the younger and the older. Yeah, I think you're kind of buffered in a way. Yeah. You know, because you have the older one who's living and making mistakes for the first time. And then you're <laughs> like, I'm not going to do that. And then you have the younger one who's learning and it's a few years behind you to kind of see, you know, well, I'm not going to do that either. Because <laughs> I, with my brother... We had bunk beds. We shared a room until we were teenagers. It kind of was after my parents got divorced because then my sister moved into my dad's office that was downstairs. And then I got her room. God, if they would have stayed together, ugh, if I would have had to sh continue sharing a bedroom with my brother through my teenage years, that would have been a nightmare. But we, anyways, so when we were teenagers, we all pretty much had our own rooms at that point. But I had to share my room with my brother until, I don't know, it was like maybe 11 or 12. And he had the top bunk. Mm. Ugh, and poor bless his heart. Like he was a rambunctious little kid, but he jumped from the top bunk one day and there were like pencils and papers oh. and stuff on the floor. Uh, and he impaled his foot <gasps> on a pencil. Like it went right from the bottom through the top of his foot. <gasps> and I don't know how that happened. Like, was the pencil sticking straight up? I don't know how it happened. But we took him, to, you know, to the emergency. And it was kind of traumatizing at first. But there was always something happening with him. Mm. Like he would yeah. run in the house and got his would crack his head open and had to go get stitches you know be rushed to the emergency room yeah so just stuff like that so on the one hand i didn't have the urge to do it but then i also had the extra level of learning why not to mm -hmm. do those things and so i mean you know obviously then i i guess i was maybe a little more fear averse for some things like I was more anxious and stuff so maybe because you know my brother and sister were kind of the ones just going out and trying it and then I'd see them get hurt or embarrassed or get in trouble so then there was me going I'm not gonna do any of that I'm just gonna sit at home <laughs> in my room lock the door <laughs> leave me alone I just want to wrap myself up in bubble wrap and 
But since there was a more of a spread with your family, like I legitimately was the middle child because my sister is three years older and then my brother is like a year and a half younger. But your siblings are kind of spread out further apart. So in a way, you were a baby. Yeah. But then in a way, you were kind of a middle slash older yeah. sibling too because your two younger siblings, what were they, 10 years about 10 years, yeah. Difference? So by the time you were 10, so you kind of grew up being the baby in the family. Right. And then when you were 10, you kind of had the responsibility of being the yeah. older sibling. So I think I got a lot of nurturing providing. at that, you know, through my younger years. And so I really developed that, like, sensitivity mm. to the world and to uh just what was going on around me and your older sister too was probably a little protective and, and that too yeah so you know extra. i think we spend a lot of time saying like oh i wish that was was different and you know i was raised in this way and i made these choices and i wish my parents had done this or whatever but i'm grateful for who i am today and even though i am not doing things quite as you know, we would believe that they should be done at a certain age. I'm very proud of myself. I am happy with who I am mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for my experiences. And I think too, you start to realize, you know, like your parents are human beings, just like everybody else, like you are, mm -hmm. you start to understand what they may be, they may have gone through, what they may be going through and I am grateful for my parents mm -hmm. and the efforts that they've made mm -hmm. as uh, human beings, as parents, as friends, as anything. So getting back to like parental days with mothers and fathers days and stuff, like one of the things I don't like is that it does kind of create that competition. Like anytime I see like world's greatest dad, number one mom, I'm like, really? Really? So you went around the globe, the world's greatest. So you went and you compared yourself to every person on the planet to achieve that title. Like it's a wonderful sentiment, but it, it perpetuates this like you need to be perfect and the best and you're better than anyone. And it's just it, to me it's kind of toxic like i i just i don't like it it's like there's this competition even within families and especially if your parents don't get along and if your parents are divorced oh it's just toxic it's like mm -hmm. a minefield it's just the pressure it sets this unhealthy expectation and pressure that somehow everyone should have the same experience the same feelings and it's this competition yeah but it's, it's all relative, though, too. You know, what is a perfect parent to one person may not be a perfect parent to another. And so... Well, you can say, I love you because you were a perfect parent for me. That message, that's great. Yeah. But saying the world's greatest or the number one or the best, it's just so not... True. Accurate, not accurate. Yeah, I <laughs> no. think Hallmark it's needs like, to get on that. It's like, I would rather have them say, you did the best you could with what you have. Like, I appreciate you. Yeah. Because you, you made it. Yeah. Like, you did it. Yeah. 
and I'm still here.、Mm-hmm. Yay! But like this whole <laughs> like relativity of better, best, worst—it's just so. Ugh, ugh. It, yeah, but、like、when、it. you realize too that your parents are going off of maybe how they were raised too, and trying to do it differently, or trying to just figure it out, and then and then your experience too, like because we recently have thought about adopting,、mm-hmm. and and just kind of you know that throws your mindset into a different area too, where you think, well,、mm-hmm. how would I be, how would I be with a child? How would I raise them? Well, how would you manage and, stress and, and finances and like all that? Yeah,、stuff. all of that.、Mm-hmm. And so,、mm-hmm. and just, I have to point out too, as gay men, because we either would need to adopt or have a surrogate to birth the child.、Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's expensive.、Mm-hmm. It's not just like a whoops, like oh, we had sex <laughs> after a beer, and now we're gonna have a baby. Yep. Like it's tens of thousands of dollars、yep. if you want to, re, you know, reproduce. And I don't think people really understand that either. With gay men, there's huge financial barriers, and then there's kind of this notion too that gay men you should just like have money for some reason. And I don't, I don't get that either, because it's like, yeah, if you don't have kids, I mean. That's why women aren't having kids <laughs> as early as they are either, because they're expensive. Like they're a huge drain on your energy, on your life. I mean, they can contribute. I mean, hopefully, you know, you're a healthful parent and you have a healthy child, or if you have health issues, that you have the resources to support that and work through all of that. But it's expensive.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think too, because we have gone through the whole part of. You know, preparing to be a, an adoptive parent, and you know that was a the training sessions. That was yeah, about a sixteen-hour、yeah. training session,、mm-hmm. and my thoughts were, and are that if you're going to be a parent, you're expecting a child or you want to have a child, everybody should go through that. Everybody should spend that sixteen hours, twenty hours of training prior. To being a parent, because like、mm-hmm. everything that we had learned in that time、mm-hmm. was well, especially in- about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and well, just what and you that, do, what you do to your body when you're pregnant with that child is incredibly important genetics and development. But、yeah. then,、um, but then there's a lot. They touch on a lot of other things too.、Um, just how you're going to be as a parent, how you're going to raise them. Things that you can do that may impact them, you know, very、mm-hmm. significantly going forward. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of books out there already. Well, that's I mean, for that's, the people that、yeah. seek it out, I think that there should be some sort of like mandatory. I mean, this is obviously、yeah. in,、uh, infringing on people's freedoms in some way, but I think there should be some sort of mandatory training、uh, that you should take prior to having your child. Like, if you're pregnant already. Or you're expecting you want to have a child.、Mm-hmm. There should be some sort of training that you have to do, sixteen to twenty hours of just learning about being a parent. Because now, being at my age, you know, and the things that we have learned from that training, like I thought it was very important, and I was like, wow, I didn't even think about it that way, or like how that could affect a child. Yes, I found that very helpful, and I think that a lot of other people should go through that too, and just. 
make those connections mm -hmm. and before bringing the human being into the world. Mm -hmm. And I think overall that would improve our planet <laughs> yeah. and just how we interact with each other. Like if we were able to get a jump start on certain things and not just learn it as we go and be like, oh, whoops, my kid hates me now, but I did learn this thing, but it's like, I wish I had done that earlier. It's like, well, yeah, maybe you should have had some training. Well, if it's training. part of, I don't know what school curriculum is like these days for like sex education or family. I mean, they used to call it home economics, so I don't know what they call it now, but like family planning or that type of thing. But again, you're dealing with brains that aren't developed. Yeah. You know, so you're dealing with brains that really don't have emotional regulation, impulse control, like fully together yet. So yeah, you can teach that stuff. But I mean, unfortunately, like we have the ability to reproduce far sooner than we're actually ready to be a parent. Yeah. And that's just the reality of being a biological human being <laughs> that our brains aren't fully developed until 25, but we can start making babies at 13, 14 years old, you know, which is ridiculous. And so it's, I, yeah, it's a challenging one. And, and, and that people have children for different reasons and not to say it's not necessarily like there's a right and wrong reason to have a child, but again, I always get back to the healthful versus unhealthful. Like, mm -hmm. is it healthful for you? Is it healthful for the child? Yeah. Like if you, I hear a lot of people wanting to have a child because they want something to love and they yeah. want something to love them. And I think that is an indicator of some sort of emotional health crisis. Like that's not a healthful environment to bring a child in. If you are seeking love, you're getting stress. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like the love will probably be there too, but you're going to get a heck of a lot of stress. So if you're expecting butterflies and fairy tales Oy, I just think it, you know, people have to go into it with realistic expectations. And if they don't, I think it can cause a lot of distress and stress and unhealthy outcomes. I think, too, there's something when people see their parenting as that's who they are, that's their identity. Mm -hmm. And then and I've seen this a lot with people that I know that when their children grow up and be adults, I'm not necessarily saying my parents, but like other people I've observed, they, once their children grow up and move on, mm -hmm. they have a hard time moving on because they're like, that was my identity. That was who I am. Mm -hmm. Who am I now? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something really important too that needs to be addressed. And when all of your focus is on your kids too. So even in relationships, Again, your energy and your focus can be on the kids. Mm -hmm. And then when they move out, all of a sudden, it's just you and your partner. Yeah. If, if you have a partner. Yeah. Or it's just you. Yeah. But so you're either left there lonely or you're left there with somebody who you haven't maybe been giving as much energy and attention to. And now you have this awkward retransition in your relationship. Mm -hmm. That's like a whole other emotional phase of transition that you have to deal. So not only do you have to deal with the emotional transition of your kids moving out, you have the emotional transition of now it's just you in this new environment. So whether it's you alone or if it's you and your partner or whatever the situation is, it's right. like, it's like a transition on top of a transition. Well, I think too, and just being aware of goals and purpose. So your purpose shouldn't be 
um, I'm a parent based on something with a timeline. I don't think your purpose should be some, that's a goal. A goal is timeline. A purpose is not time sensitive. Yes. So it's even like, what does it mean to be a parent? So again, for me, it's really about nurturing, mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of debate too about, well, if you're a dog parent or a cat parent or whatever, like what you're investing your energy into is this being that maybe isn't human, mm -hmm. you know, that maybe you're nurturing an animal, you're nurturing a garden, a farm, something else. Like the purpose is nurturing. The purpose, mm -hmm. the purpose isn't necessarily that it's a human that needs to be fed and that has all these other socio-psychological factors involved. I mean, you can be giving yourself and nurturing in many different ways. And I think then that gets into, you know, if you, maybe you can't have children biologically, or maybe it's too difficult, it's too expensive, like whatever the case might be, there are a lot of limitations on actually having a human child and that somehow you're less valuable for that or that you should be shamed for that. Like, I just think we, I don't know. If you're thinking back to on your past and how you were raised, just do your best to see them as human beings. Yeah. Think about where you are now, the struggles that you've gone through and that they've gone through probably similar struggles too. See them as a human being, realize that they are just just like you trying to figure it healthful all out expectations right yeah. again it's like setting healthful expectations like not putting these people on a pedestal mm -hmm. i mean obviously when you're a child they are your everything you do that and you can't naturally. again with the child's brain you can't convince them to see their parents as a human a flawed individual mm -hmm. but you're not intended to know everything you're not intended to be perfect you're going to make mistakes you're going to learn along the way and if at some point you're celebrated for that, great and wonderful. But if you're not, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person either. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're less worthy. So I almost go back to, I feel like rather than Mother's Day and Father's Day, the parents should be celebrated on the child's birthday. Mm. So for my, for my birthday, I should really be celebrating my parents mm. who brought me into the world. Mm-hmm. But it's like that stress, that responsibility that you take on as a parent, like that should be celebrated on your birthday. Yeah. Um, and I think that would be a better way to celebrate your parents rather than having these special days where you pit one against the other. Yeah. Like who got more cards? Who got a bigger gift? Who's loved more? Who's the best? It's just, ugh. yeah, I just, yeah. well, I'll just say, I love my mom. I love my dad. They did their best and I'm grateful for who I am. Yes. And I love my mom and dad too for what they did. But the thing is, is I also consider parental figures in my life, you know, like a very significant aunt that I have and just adults who, who provided guidance and support that my parents didn't necessarily mm. do or didn't know how to do. So again, I just, the, the term parent and just the adults that help nurture you, it's just such a broad term. Yeah. And, and I can, really appreciate just... And, People who are nurturing, just, I want to applaud those people. There's other people too in your life that you can meet that play that role for you. You know, you can get parenting from your friends in a sense. I was known as the gay mother at my uh, retail job. You know, people would come yes. into my office, the younger people, and they'd be like, 
you're my gay mother, give me some advice and blah, blah, blah. And I would kind of be that role for them. Yeah, so. As long as they don't ask you for money. Like it's a form of mentoring yeah. too, you know, that yeah. parents are really the first mentors in your life mm -hmm. and that it's providing guidance and nurturing and support and all of that. But yeah, I mean, with, with parenting just comes the responsibility, right? So as a mentor, you don't necessarily have they're, you're not really responsible for them. Financially and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I did, I would probably be like the worst parent. I'd be like, <laughs> you're costing me a lot of money. You're eating all the cottage cheese and blah, blah, blah. So I would be. <laughs> well, that's a big stress too with parenting is just the cost and the expense. Yeah. And all that. And that impairs, you know, that impairs the emotional function mm -hmm. of the brain. Totally. So I think it's good just to know you know with again those parents days kind of what we're celebrating and why and other than it being kind of another hallmark holiday that's just a way for people to make an extra buck yeah you know it it often will put pressure on relationships so again mm. like i said with birthdays if the outcome is that you're feeling like crap that you're feeling stressed out that you as a parent don't feel loved and you feel you're not getting what you want on your specific parents day, or if you're a child, feel the pressure to meet some sort of expectation on a particular parents day, then I just would say, what's the point? Like if it's stressing you out and causing unhealthful feelings and stress, let's do something else. I think we have to have the freedom to create our own ways to celebrate each other and not feel forced to conform to these cultural norms that mm -hmm. just are in it to make a buck yeah. and everyone stresses about it. <laughs> right. And here's my thought on parenting. And I kind of think that after you turn 18, and you have to get or whatever age and you're out of the house i think it's 35 yeah or that that can be it for some people too but it should be mandatory that you receive a year of therapy after you leave the house i think everybody should start seeing therapists the moment they're old enough to go to the doctor like like if you're <laughs> going if you're going to a pediatrician to I don't know, figure out why your nose is full of boogers. You should also be seeing a mental health care provider. Yeah. Like even as a child, like observe their behaviors. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that like, you know. I know, but I'm just, I'm just saying it should happen way before you leave the house. Right. Like, oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah I mean? for sure. Like, it no. should be happening while you're growing up as oh, you're yeah. developing. Um, well, of course there's a cost um well that's what i mean that's why that with too. health but that's why with healthcare and health insurance i'm the advocate for mental health should be your primary care and then physical health should be your secondary supplemental maintenance care yeah so that you develop and you monitor healthful behaviors and then from those behaviors come the outcomes whether it's eating habits or injuries or illnesses like right. that's well, I, well what i'm saying is that like if there was something that i didn't cover as a parent and maybe something mm. that my child is struggling with, mm. maybe on something that I did or whatever, like, or I didn't do or whatever, 
then I would want them to address that in some way before getting out into the world where it negatively impacts their life. Mm. And I wouldn't want that. So I was like, mm. I'm sorry. I hope that, you know, you can figure it out <laughs> with a licensed professional. Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's like, that's reactive. You know, like that's, oops, sorry, I totally messed you up. You better go get that fixed. Gotta go to the, gotta go to the fixer upper. Yeah. Um, and so, that, yeah. You know, you know what that, I mean. You yeah, know I mean. I, yeah, yeah, I do. And that's, and that's one approach. So definitely the healing yeah. therapy is, is important because you can't always get ahead of, I mean, stuff's going to happen in life. So yeah. you can't always get ahead of it, but we really need more preventive. You know, we, we oh, need to yeah. start early and often and make it a priority And that, gosh, I, not that I have the power to do it, but I mean, that would be one of my wishes if I had any, would just be that brain health and mental function and mental health, all of that together is all, it's basically all one thing that that was a priority and that was covered by health insurance above and beyond everything else like dental health great yes dental health is very important but i'm sorry i'm sorry dentists mental health is way more important <laughs> because even the behaviors of brushing your teeth you if you're depressed like or if you're struggling with some sort of mental health condition guess what your oral health is probably going to suffer so <laughs> like the fact that we have dental insurance but we don't have insurance for mental like it's just so bizarre yeah backwards i don't i don't understand. roaring applause Woo! i do it for applause um this was a little soapboxy but hopefully it was informative and entertaining enough mother's day is around the corner we're probably going to air this right after mother's day and then father's day will be coming up too but however you identify and whatever parenting co-parenting um nurturing caregiving that you're provided uh even if you're caring for a parent i mean you know there's that goes uncelebrated too and people who are caring for aging and elderly parents i think deserve as much praise and encouragement and applause yeah and i think too just on these special occasions and anytime appreciate your parents say hey thanks for you know doing your best and that's yes it. and i would just say appreciate people yeah like or maybe other I don't people know. in your no, life i'm not hating on parents but yeah. i'm just saying Parenting is, it's not who you are, it's what you do. Parenting is a job. It's not who you are. Anybody can become a parent, but it's a function. So if you're doing that in a healthful way, I applaud you. If you're not doing it in a, in a healthful way, then you need support and education. And then we can celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, until then, I hope you have uh, a good week. Bye, lover. Bye, lover. Hee <laughs> hee. Hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, please follow and share with your friends who might enjoy it too. And you know what else you can do? You can rate the podcast. Five stars if you'd like. Mm -hmm.